What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Entrepreneurism Podcast here with Chris Bello. He is the host of the Entrepreneur Motivation Podcast and a real estate expert in Houston, Texas. Chris, what's going on, man? What's going on? Thank you so much for having me, Brady. Good to connect. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Did I pronounce your last name right? Bello? Yep. Bello. Yep. Cool. It's just, I always say hello, but with a B. Because <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> I had a W at the end. And I'm like, ah, that's, why, that's why I didn't get the email. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, man. So b- before we dive into the foundation of the Entrepreneurism Podcast, talking about entrepreneurship, your journey, the struggles, successes, I was asked this first question What's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? That's a good question. And for those who have listened to my podcast, if anyone's in your audience who listens to mine too, arguably, I'd say probably the dumbest thing I spent money on was a first invention that a friend and I tried to make. And that's part of my story. You know, I quit and we'll go into the story. I know we just, right. we just talked about that, but I'd say it was kind of dumb, but it, if I hadn't made the mistake of trying to put all my money into that thing and making it work, I spent about 40 or 45 grand on tooling and trying to get it manufactured and you know, getting a patent made. So I've got a patent on a paperweight basically right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not quite making the products <laughs> that we wanted. So yeah, we, we stopped putting money into it because I didn't see the end of the tunnel on it. Yeah. So arguably that's probably one of the dumber things I spent my money on because I just kind of went all in and was like, it's going to work. And basically there's no easy way to get my money out because I don't know if you have use for a big, you know, steel injection mold tool that doesn't make parts that it's right. supposed to so it's just sitting at a warehouse right now and I've got a patent on a product that I kind of put on the shelf for now. So <laughs> kind of a dumb mistake, but it helped me get started in entrepreneurship and right. you know, learn a lot of lessons along the way. And now I'm in real estate. So, it, it, you know, it's kind of weird to see how, how did I start there and now yeah. I'm in real estate, right? <laughs> exactly. No, I, and that's a good, that's a good segue and something I want to say where, you know, Gary Vee talks about how a lot of entrepreneurs will just keep like, hitting this business idea, even when it's not even working. Yes. But he's like, you, there's power in walking away from something that doesn't work. Right. And yeah, you might get ridiculed and people say, you know, are you just giving up? And it's like, you have to be smart, work smarter, not harder. And when you work so much and put so much money in something that just isn't there, because we did the same thing. We had a business called financial automation. We Mm -hmm. had this great idea to automate people's finances through Excel and workflow automation software. And it just didn't work. And, you know, we didn't put 45 grand into it, but we put a lot of time and it's just not worth it anymore. Yeah, so why either would way. we keep doing it, you know? Right, right. That was a hard thing. It's like, okay, I can't keep going at this. I don't have another source of income. And we'll talk about it in the story. Like I quit my job to pursue this thing and then we got the tools and it wasn't working. So I was like- Well, let's go into that, right? Because yeah. you know, there is obviously a big gap between that and real estate. So we got to <laughs> right. somehow. Yeah, man. So talking about the story, and I know I said I'm not going to go 20 minutes into it, but basically the way my story goes when I share it is I kind of start, you know, after college because up to that point I I was going to school and I kind of went to high school where a lot of my friends went and then I went to college and I did a couple extracurricular activities, you know, wrestling and track and tried football. I was too too small for that. And I kind of just, you know, joined the Hispanic student union for the free pizza at lunch. And I never really had goals. I just kind of, okay, I finished school, time to go to college, went to Texas A&M and I graduated with the degree in supply chain. Then I went into oil and gas, got an oil and gas job, right? I'm in Houston, energy's big. And I thought it was my dream job because it paid well. And I had an opportunity to work internationally And three and a half years into that, I was like, okay, cool. I got to work in Dubai. That was great. 
They paid for me to live out there for six months. I hated going to work, but I loved to be in Dubai and traveling and playing volleyball on the beach and stuff, right? And so I started to plot my escape and I started reading books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, 4-Hour Workweek. And, you know, you get a little overconfident. I had plenty of oh, savings. Yeah. I was making more than I could even, sp- I, I, I wasn't a spender. Um, but at the same time, I paid down all my student loans. I paid off my car, bought a house. And yeah, I started thinking like, okay, I got to think of some way to get out of here because I hate this cubicle life. You know, manager right. keeps looking over my shoulder, catching me on Facebook and <laughs> that kind of thing where you have to sit there. Even if I got something done in three hours that took somebody else eight hours to do, they want, they expect you to stay there for the full eight or nine hours, exactly. right? Yep. So it's, it was just dumb to me. Like I'm smarter and faster than this dude who's been here for 30 years and can't even do a pivot table in Excel, you know, no offense to him, but it's not fair for me to have to sit here and like twiddle my thumbs until 5 p.m. Exactly. Right? And I'm frowned upon if I leave earlier because I'm not working as hard. Right. Yeah. Like you said, work smarter, not harder. I mean, you got to do both, but if you're working smarter, I, I felt like I could, you know, I should be able to, to leave a little early. So fast forward, I got the tools. Um, a friend and I had a 3D printer. We made a product. We tried to go to a manufacturer and make it real. And it was a lot more difficult to manufacture it for mass production than it is to 3D print, as I soon found out. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I had quit the job as soon as the patent got filed in March of 2017. And was like, okay, cool. In my mind, we're going to have the tools in five or six months. I'm going to start selling it and we'll be off to the races. But little did I know it was going to actually take a full year to get the tooling. So there was a little bit of a gap there. Like, okay, I just wrote a check for 35 or 40 grand. And I only have 60 grand saved and my runway, you know, have a house I bought and all these things. I was used to spending two, three grand a month on random things and being able to afford it. And now I couldn't sustain that anymore. Right. I had to go back to being scrappy and um, yeah, basically pivoted into real estate. I was like, this isn't working. I need to make some money somehow joined a real estate investment team in Houston. I kind of put my tail between my legs, you know, let me just go work with some pros instead of trying to figure it out by myself. Cause clearly I was all over the place <laughs> and I, I found some cool guys. They were like, you know, 32, uh, they owned their own business. I heard them on the bigger pockets podcast. One of them went to my university and yeah, I worked with them for a year. Super cool. Got my foot in real estate, got my license since then, uh, had my biggest month last month. And I'm on my own at this, at this point in time, just solo, solo real estate expert slash agent. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think there's a lot there, right? Because I think there's always this, this timeline, especially for entrepreneurs now who are still working a nine to five. Yeah. They want to transition, like they're plotting their escape, like you said. And I think like you failed early, which is good. Right. And I think that's a, you're, you're, you're fortunate to have done that. But I believe a lot of entrepreneurs, like we said before, their first business idea, they just keep, honed in on it year after year after year. So I think there's a lesson, there's power there that you stopped doing that so early and now you found real estate, which seems to be, you're doing well. Yeah. So for entrepreneurs out there, right? I mean, maybe someone is in your shoes, maybe they're working their nine to five, they want to get out. Do you think they should just go ahead and start a business? Just do it, right? Even if you don't want to do it, (laughs) just do it so you can maybe fail or you might like it. Or you think they should just research and study and try a lot of different things and just kind of see what sticks. 
Yeah. So kind of going off something you said, Gary V earlier, I follow his stuff. He, you know, when you start listening to all the entrepreneurship stuff, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go start something that I hate. Yeah. I'm going to quit this stupid job. I can figure it out on my own. And that was my message when I first started. And I, even at the beginning of my podcast, I was like, Hey, you know, put your back against the wall, go all in on your dreams. That's the only way you'll be successful. If you have a plan B, you won't accomplish your plan A. Right. But if I had to do it again, I probably would have been a little more slow about quitting the job, especially now that I'm in real estate, hindsight's 2020. I have a friend who's, he's my age. I just turned 30 this year. He's 30. He's got 30 rental properties already that he's acquired. He's working in oil and gas still. And he's just been chipping away, you know, building his empire. And now he's, he's able to quit at the end of the year and have enough passive income on a monthly basis where he's essentially retired if he wants to be. Whereas I quit the job a little too soon without a backup plan being a little overconfident. And yeah, I had my back against the wall, but after six or seven months, when I kind of blew through my savings on this idea that wasn't, you know, no light at the end of the tunnel, right? There's that point where you become a little desperate, you know, you get that commission breath type thing. Yeah. And you're not able to think creatively and clearly because you're so worried about like, crap, like, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Like, I have to ask my parents if I can borrow some money. Should I sell my house? You know? Yeah. Questions, and I kind of put myself in a situation where I feel like um, I don't regret it, you know, because it's gotten me to where I am now. But for those in the audience that are thinking about it, you know, maybe plan a little bit, build it up to, to something on the side where it can sustain itself and then quit. It, yeah. it really depends on how much risk you can tolerate, right? Do you have kids? Because I had no kids. I'm not married. Um, I had a dog to feed. That was it. <laughs> so, so I'm like, hey, we can live under the freeway together if we need to or yeah. go back to my mom's house. <laughs> but, I, but it's interesting, right? Because uh, oh, entrepreneurs like Gary Vee preach to go all in. Eat the ramen. Yeah. Yeah. And, but they also say like, if you're under 35 and you fail, like you have time. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kinda, conflicting it's, messages. Yeah. It's conflicting, right? Like be patient, but work fast. But then there's the other people who say like, have a plan B because if plan A doesn't work, you can fall back on something, which I do agree with that. Right. Yeah. I worked a nine yeah. to five, you work a nine or you worked a nine to five. So it's like, that is essentially your plan B, right? You're working on plan A. This is my plan B. Plan A doesn't work. I still got plan B. And I think right. that's right. That's good. Like milk your nine to five for all that you can, because that is the message. Especially I now, if you're working from home, like, dude, I got friends that have it so set right now. They're like working from home, getting paid 90 grand a year, just checking emails basically because yeah. everything's the way it is. And they're fortunate. The ones who still have a job, awesome. Yeah. They're milking it and they're putting Amazon products online for sale and they're making money on that. And they're, they're, that's something that you couldn't really get away with in a physical office because how exactly. do you minimize the screen and now you're in a meeting and your boss calls you into the office, right? So now, now is the time to... Uh, plot your escape. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and I think it's, there's more opportunity now than ever, right? You can make Absolutely. money literally doing anything. I saw somebody on Instagram, I think they sell phone cases and he took a screenshot of his uh, Shopify is like a million dollars. And I'm like <laughs> selling phone cases, right? It's but that, that's the thing is like, even if you don't know what you want to do, work to get something, be strategic and make the money so that you can figure it out later because I think money does help money oh, helps yeah. you in the right direction. If you don't have any money it's a tool, like if I want to build this big product, if I want to be the next, the next Elon Musk, right. If I don't have the money to create electric cars. Like I'm not 
going to get there. So it's important to just be strategic and make money. But especially what you said, the people who have a nine to five, like milk it, you have it made. (laughs) It sounds bad. I know it does. And I I had checked out long before, you know, the senioritis, like when you're a high school senior, Mm -hmm. college senior, I had that for like the entire last seven months of my job. And I was plotting, okay, let me leave. I would go to my friend's house after work and create the next version of this product. And it was exciting. Like that was the most excitement I've ever had for an idea. And of course, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're the dog that got kicked and you feel anytime you have another idea, you kind of think of that idea that failed. So there's a little piece of that, that kind of makes me be not play more small, but be more cautious and reasonable. You know, I don't like to be reasonable. I want to have 10 X thinking. Yeah really go for those goals, but sometimes it can burn you where you, you go all in without doing all the due diligence and you may be overconfident. And sometimes some people make it, you see the overnight success. That's like, whoa, they just started in four months in their 20 K months. Right. But more often than not, it takes a lot longer than you would think, right. To, to start to get that momentum and consistent. But I think the people who, who, like you said, like they've been there for four months and then they have the 20 K months that might've been their fifth business idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so it seems quick, but they've been at it for years, just trying to find something that sticks. And Absolutely. I think that's important for people to know because social media and you probably see it glorifies this entrepreneurial journey that overnight is easy success. overnight yeah. success. You buy a Lamborghini, the girls, the jewelry, the cash. And it's like, that probably happens for some people but everybody comes from a different perspective. Somebody could have worked for 10 years to get to that point. Somebody right. could have family money and that's exactly. what they're using to fund their lifestyle. Right? <laughs> so I think it's important for entrepreneurs to understand like the entrepreneurial journey is hard. This shit is hard. It is. And there's a lot of times you're going to want to quit, but it's, it's having that vision, that goal, that why to keep pushing forward. Absolutely. I just shared this with a friend the other day where Man, you know, I was, I was out of college making like 65, 70 grand a year, which was like, I, I thought that was pretty good at the yeah, time yeah. Um, for a 20, what was that? 21, 22 or something like that. And I had $8,000 signing bonus. So instantly like first two months of work, plus I was living at home right after college while I was figuring out what I wanted to do. I had saved up like 15 or $20,000. Yeah. You're balling. And, and I wasn't, <laughs> I had no expenses and my mom was cooking me dinner and I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> I'm never leaving. Um, but of course, when I quit, oh my gosh, right? They, t- they talk about your first dollar online or whatever's the hardest. I mean, they're not kidding. It's I hard. try to sell stuff on, you know, Gary V style, flipping stuff on um, eBay and Amazon. And I-, I work so hard for those first few real estate deals where I feel like I probably averaged like $2 an hour, but <laughs> I was way more proud of that because it was a result of my direct efforts. Right. Yeah. And and you're right. Like the first money you make online is hard. And I think because everyone is trying to make money online right now. Yeah. Especially with Amazon. Like I've never done drop shipping or FBA or anything, but you know, they, they say it's easy and then you get into it and it's like, okay, well I'll pick a product. What product do I pick? Right. Right. I I try to sell cell phone cases before and it's like, cool. I made a site ran some traffic to it, got yeah. like zero sales. <laughs> it, it's ridiculous, man. Huge need of Amazon, right? Like, how do you... It, you I, there, there's so much to it and, and people are yeah. getting so good at it that it's like, I want to start now. Like, there's no way, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the toughest part, man, because you always think like, well, it's already out there. It's already done. Exactly. Someone's already selling it. It's too late. 
let me think of something new. Like I, my product was completely new, never been done before. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like sometimes you should pick something that's already working and people know what it is. Cell phone cases, for example, that's pretty saturated, but Hey, find a product, right? It can be like, I don't know, lamps or something like this desk lamp that I have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's power in both though, right? Because yeah. if, if you choose a product or service or business idea that somebody's done before, at least the concept is proven, right? Absolutely. It works. People will yep. buy it. There's demand for it. But Peter Thiel, who was one of the first investors in Facebook, he wrote a book called Zero to One. Good and book. he talks about how if you want to have an average business, average income, average whatever, you're going to create an end business, right? There's mm-hmm. many of you. But if you want to be a Facebook, an Amazon, a Microsoft, an innovative company, you create the one business no one's done before. Now that's right. becoming hard to do now because there's so much technology and you have to have access to a lot of capital, it seems like, to create those next big things. But for people who are like, well, my business has already been done, like there's, there's power in that. It's been proven. Yeah. I was just on a call with uh, a CPA friend of mine and we're working together to find, to find him another house right now. Like it's funny how that works out. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like a marketing nerd. And so we talk about Dan Kennedy, he's in the, in the inner circle or whatever, or one of the mastermind things. And he was saying like, dude, there's probably 50 pizza places within like a mile of you. Think about that. Right. And they're, they're all competing with each other in a way, but in a way mm-hmm. they also have their unique things. Like some people like, Domino, some people like Papa John, some people like right. a local place called Frank's in Houston. And so that was a w- really eye-opening thing of like, yeah, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and sell mm. like a different type of thing. It, like pizza is its own um, market and you can, you can sell a pepperoni pizza if someone else does too, right? Exactly. Exactly. But I think, I think too, it motivates people because if, if you sell pepperoni pizza and I want to sell pepperoni pizza, but I do it better than you, then people are going to come to me, right? Exactly. So you can measure yourself against people at that point. Like, okay, Domino's is the top pizza do company better. in the world. I just yeah. got to do better than them. Whereas if you create a company that's new, who do you measure yourself against? Right, right. You know? and, and that's something else that I heard is like, hey, if no one's ever done it, could it be that, yeah, it could be a great idea, but you might have to spend so much more time educating people on why, you know, why is it important? Exactly. What need does it really fill? versus, oh, okay, cool. I know what this thing does just by seeing it because I've seen similar products. Right. right. And I mean, I, I'm not really one to talk on products clearly because <laughs> my idea is on the shelf, but these are all like theories and stuff that we hear from other podcasts and from reading good books, like zero to one. Yeah. And, and of course, there's always companies that, I mean, don't really have to be explained. Facebook, for example. I don't know how right. accurate the movie is, but it didn't really seem like they had to explain the popularity of Facebook, you know, but that's one in a million in, in what I would suggest to entrepreneurs is pick a concept that's already proven. I think you're going to work, uh, less hard. It's going to, it's going to be easier for you because people who have done it, you can just seek them out some of the, most of the time. Right. And just say, Hey, you've done this. You're successful. I want to learn from you, which brings me to my point of like investing in yourself. Right. Yep. Now, if you are, in the beginning stages, in my opinion, of trying to figure out what the hell you want to do. I'm doing drop shipping. I'm doing digital marketing. Uh, I'm teaching people how to do Facebook ads, whatever. I probably, I don't know if I would invest in everything. 
in yourself and everything, right? Because it could be a waste of money. But I think the point of that is to find like what is interesting to you, you yes. know? Yes. So, and for you, you know, it was real estate. So when you, let me backtrack. When did you like realize real estate was for you? Did you just stumble upon it? Were you like, oh, it's interesting. I'll try it. Or how did that work? Yeah. So, so real estate was one of those things. And I think uh, when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, I kind of learned a little bit more about assets and liabilities in the way that Robert Kiyosaki talks about it, where, you know, you buying your house for yourself is not really uh, an asset like you might think it is. It's more of a liability versus having a rental property, something like that. And so, I always knew real estate, you know, 98% of the world's wealthy people got there through real estate. I don't know what the exact percentage is, but right. there's a lot of people who've done it that way. And, you know, it's not going anywhere, right? I, I started flipping phones and stuff as well when I was trying to figure things out. Cause I realized if someone breaks or cracks their phone, they're going to get another one the same day. Mm-hmm. And then I made the connection of like, dude, same thing with houses. If you get kicked out of your house or you move from this apartment, you need somewhere to live. Right. You need a roof over your head and it's a bigger price point, right? Uh, higher price point, higher commissions, higher sales. And I mean, for example, I've, I'm trying to get this deal under contract right now. I'm like, we're so, we're so <laughs> close. It's like a $630,000 house. That would be a $19,000 commission like a month from now if I can get that thing accepted. So right. like how, how would you make $19,000 just flipping phone? I'd have to flip so many phones to do that versus this one deal which is just as easy as, or it's just as much work as doing a house that costs $150,000. Right. But I think the power there, and I keep saying power, but like for cell phones, I feel like it's probably harder to seek people out, right? Right. I I would think houses, like I'm not coming to you unless I'm in the market for a house. Exactly, exactly. And so I, I kind of, I don't think I really answered your question, but I knew that real estate was a way to achieve higher ticket sales right. and bigger commissions and mm-hmm. wealth in general. And yeah, that's how I started listening to Bigger Pockets and reading more books like from Bigger Pockets and other um, investors. And I got my foot in the door with that investment company, dealt with a lot of like crack houses and walking through houses with rats and roaches and hoarder houses. And, and now I've kind of transitioned to where I'm like, oh, I'm helping someone buy a beautiful house with a, with a lake view and everything, <laughs> right? <laughs> a little bit different. So how long have you been in real estate? So probably about a little over two years. Like I okay. worked with that company for a year, got my license last June, literally did my first deal as a realtor last September. Okay. And then this past uh, month in August, I had uh, like over a million in, in sales closed. So it was like a 30K month or something like that. Wow. Yeah. So, so for you, you didn't reach real estate. Like, let's assume it's your career for the rest yeah. of your life. You didn't yeah. reach real estate until 28 or because you said you're almost 30. Or are you just yeah, 30? I reached it at 28. I mean, <laughs> there's even a little po- a point in there that I don't really share because it's like, eh, it's kind of a distraction. But when I was getting a little desperate at the end of the six months out, out of work, mm-hmm. I did take another job, but I was so distracted. Like I, you know, I'm good at, at talking and the interview, I nailed it, got the job. Literally my passion, I was just like, God, I just sold my soul again. Right. I'm like, Why right. am I doing this? I hate oil and gas. And literally four or five months later, I guess I just wasn't performing. I was distracted in meetings. I literally got fired from that job. I've never been fired. I was like, you fired <laughs> me? Like, I'm pretty dang smart, I think. And I actually yeah. am helping you guys. But it was clear that, you know, my mind was on my product and my business and 
my website, my blog, they call yeah. it a business. Well, I mean, it was probably the best thing your, for you though. On your business. Yeah, no, dude, that was the fire under my ass that I needed. I was like, yeah. you know what? Awesome. I, I was like smiling when they told me that I was fired. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's a stupid reason to fire me. I was working on my business on company time. I updated a blog post on my lunch break. Right. And so I was like, thank you guys. Cause that is what got my butt in gear. And I'm like, right. Look, I'm just going to real estate. And I interviewed with that company, got with them. Um, I mean, they got me up and running, finding deals, like my biggest profit deal there. And I had to split it with the company, but within five or six months, I had a $30,000 assignment fee or wholesale fee. If you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. where we found a house off market and we found another investor to buy it. And the owners were like, dude, you just did that in six months. It took us two years to do it when we started. And I was like, well, you know, we had good mentors. I was kind of sucking up a little bit, but really it's just, they put the belief in me. Right. I'm like, right. I did that by myself. I can do that, you know, on my own now. Right. Which, which leads me to another question. We talked about it uh, previously, but do you think people should rush into finding what they're passionate about? Or do you think they should just put a lot of eggs in a lot of different baskets and just figure it out? I just reshared something. And I keep going back to Gary Vee, but he posts his team put, put, uh, put so much stuff out there that it's really like hard. 12 not times to a day. Everywhere. Yeah. He's got so much content. And there was something I shared on my story where it's like, if you don't know what to do, just do something or just try something. Right. And another piece of advice that I give to people is like, okay, focus, right? Because I was flipping phones and trying to do this product and get the tooling in. I wrote a book on Amazon on how I was flipping stuff, even though I wasn't really flipping very successfully. And nothing was really working because I had, you know, my attention scattered. And there's a really good graphic for this. If you've ever read the book, Essentialism, have you you checked that one out? Let me see um, if I can find it while we're talking, because it really paints a good picture of what I'm talking about here. And there's a book that I tell people to read called The One Thing. And there's a quote in there that says, you know, he who tries to catch two rabbits catches neither. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, if your attention is split, you're not going to be successful because you're trying to do too many things. And here's that, here's that picture I was talking about where it's like, if your energy is scattered, it's not as effective as if you focus on one thing. Right. Yeah. No, right. I agree with that because I say, you know, you can try to be a someone who's a jack of all trades is a master of none. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, it's a trick question in a way, cause yeah, you got to try stuff to figure out what you love, but at the same time, if you try too many things and you dabble, you'll never become an expert in anything. Right. Um, and I think even Mark Cuban has said, or I forget who says it, it's probably been repeated that you don't really have to follow your passion. You just have to focus on something until you become so good at it that it becomes your passion because People like to do stuff that they're good at. Exactly. And you get good at it if you stick with it and you practice. Yeah. No, I, and I agree with that. You know, I, I think for people who want to do so many different things, like get good at one business, yes. systemize it, automate it, delegate whatever you got to do, and then do do something <laughs> else, right? Because, I mean, yeah, a lot of us have ADD, ADHD, whatever. We can't focus on one thing. There's so many different things that want our attention, yeah. But there's power in that, right? Because like for me, I was telling you, my main focus is joining the podcast. Do I, I have that. other business ventures? Yes. But my podcast gets almost all of my energy. I'm not Absolutely. splitting time. I'm not going back and forth. It's like, I'm here. I'm, I'm not doing emails. I'm here, right? Yeah, my phone's face down over there. And exactly. This, 
I just recently read this book, Essentialism. It's, it's funny, like a client actually coordinated, a client who's my girlfriend's friend coordinated with my girlfriend to find out what was in my Amazon wish list. And they got me a book that I had in that list in my pipeline for me after uh, they closed on their house. And so I was like super excited to read it. But yeah. that book basically says that the essentialist says no to almost everything, mm-hmm. right? So you get so many opportunities. Hey, Chris, someone called me the other day. Chris, like, I'm wondering, do you want to be a co-host of this podcast with me? Like, I know you've been doing it for a while. Your podcast is growing. And I'm like, I kind of let, you know, smiled. I let him give his little pitch. And I'm like, dude, that's great. I appreciate the offer, but I'm just, I'm too busy. And I, I'm really just focused on, you know, I know you said the podcast is your main thing. For me, it's the podcast and real estate. Right. And I would love to get more towards the podcast being my full-time thing, but real estate's definitely like my moneymaker, my job exactly. right now. Exactly. And kind of before we hit record too, it's like I've gotten deals and referrals from the podcast. Like one of the guests that I interviewed, we just closed on a house last month and I never asked her anything. She came to me as a result of the consistency and the value that I've put out, you know, twice a week since I started. Right. Yeah. No, I I love that. Right. I I think it's just, there's so many different things that you could be doing. You just get good at one thing. That's, that's, it's plain and simple like that. Right. Because like for you, you are probably primarily focused on real estate. Yep. Absolutely. The podcast is going to get your attention eventually. And like, that's me, right? I have other business ventures that are going to get my attention eventually. And when it needs my attention, I will be there. But if I don't have to focus on that, I'm focusing on this. But like you said about the power of saying no, Warren Buffett even says that. He says the most common thing among successful people is they all say no (laughs) 99% of the time, which is true because how many requests do you get? Bullshit requests, coworkers, family members, whatever, your friends. It's like you, you have to say no because your time is more important. And, and it's taken me, like I'm younger than you. I'm only 24, but it's taken me 24 years to realize that time is more viable than money. Right. Oh, yeah. Same if I here. spend half my day doing something that doesn't produce money, like I don't, I didn't make any money. I just lost time. <laughs> you know, it's like, ridiculous the other day with this six hundred thirty thousand dollar house it was like an hour away from me right and Mm -hmm. so i'm like man that's going to be a two-hour round trip and the buyers are probably going to want to walk the house for like 20 minutes and i just i found a couple of showing agents who can give me leverage Mm -hmm. and i asked them they're kind of new in the business so i'm giving them tips and in exchange they're doing some of my bidding and i was like hey courtney do you mind showing like are you available to show this house to my clients and i'll pay you 25 bucks an hour so it took her like, you know, a little, almost three hours. I Venmoed her like 65 bucks because I didn't want to spend three hours of my day, like going, coming back, opening the door. Right. And they ended up wanting to write an offer. So I've never even been to the house and we're making an offer. And that could potentially be a $20,000 commission Jeez. on a house I've never been to. Right. <laughs> so crazy because like you are paying to get time back. I, I pay for time. People don't understand, man. I'm, I'm sure you understand this, mm-hmm. right? Icon meals or freshly or snap kitchen. I'm paying for meal prep stuff. I'm paying for stuff to get delivered. And people are like, dude, you're spending $5 to get your groceries delivered. I'm like, I'm saving two hours. It's a different exactly. way of looking at things. Exactly. Right? And, and I, I, people don't, I didn't understand that for a long time. You know, when I was in, in college, like I think I everybody so in college is like, especially now I'm going to own my own business one day. I'm yeah. gonna, and it's like, dude, it's hard. Shit's hard, you know, but you read stuff and they're like, you know, 
pay people to do something that you're not good at. So, or that you don't like doing, right? So if you got to mow the grass, pay someone to mow your grass. Groceries, exactly. pay someone to get your groceries or deliver them. Even right. dinner, like pay someone to deliver your dinner because how much time are you saving collectively? Yeah, it might be like a few hours here, hour here. That adds up. It really and does. People don't think about it that way. It's a totally different way of looking at stuff, man. Like I've made a list of all the things that I want to delegate and outsource. My personal assistant, I just tell her, hey, can you schedule a haircut for next week on Monday? <laughs> I don't even spend the 10 minutes to go book my own haircut. And she does it. I pay her monthly. And this is a new realization. I just hired her last month and it's been like, oh, cool. I can make her do all this stuff that yeah. I want to do. And I'll pay her for it. And she doesn't mind. Right. But at the same time, it's like I'm ordering meals in. She's scheduling my haircut. I'm ordering everything to be delivered. If there's anything that I could go to the store for, I just, you know, order it on Amazon and have it come over because time that you can save on that, like I can focus on getting more of these $600,000 deals and then pay, you know, pennies on the dollar to get the $5 delivery fee for them to bring me a Chipotle burrito for lunch, yeah, exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. Which leads me to, to a question. I know we're, we're running short on time here, but yeah, no worries. in previous interviews, but what do you think your most valuable asset is you yourself or your time? I would say definitely um, time, I guess. Well, it, it, I know you, you asked if it's one or the other, but I would say it's a mix, right? Cause if you have skills, but you don't know how to leverage your time, like you could be a high paid employee, right? Right. Robert Kiyosaki talks about that too, I think, or maybe this was millionaire fast lane. I mix up all my books, but if you're an attorney making $400 an hour, but you've got to be working time that you're not working, you're not getting paid. Right. So you don't have any leverage there. If you can find a way to apply your skill set and get leverage and master your time, like I'm a huge nerd on productivity and time mm -hmm. hacking and Pomodoro techniques and all yep. that. So getting the most out of your time, kind of like I said at the beginning, I was pissed that corporate didn't understand that if I finish an eight hour task in three hours, I should be able to leave early instead of having to sit there for the full eight hours. They didn't understand that, but real estate or commissions or sales they do. So if I can get four deals done in the time it takes someone else to do one deal, I'm scaling up and I'm having, you know, awesome months when they're like wasting all their time on one client. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I would agree with you. I think time is very, very valuable, but it's how you use that. How you time, use it. Right. Absolutely. But, uh, but Chris, I appreciate your time, man. I, I always end every interview with this question and it's, it's, you know, there's always a cliche question, like what's a piece of advice and you know, what's your five year goals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. I, I you can find too. all that on Instagram, you know, but right. so, the question I ask is why do you love what you do and why is it important for all entrepreneurs to love what they do? So I love what I do because I am helping people to buy or sell their most valuable asset in a way that, you know, is hassle-free, headache-free. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of like a concierge service is what I consider myself. And the best feeling, the client who got me this book when we closed last month, she sent me a text that like meant the world to me. It was my, my girlfriend's best friend from childhood and her husband bought a house. And she's like, thank you so much, Chris. We're literally so happy. We can't thank you enough. Like that was the text. And they sent me a screenshot with the, the keys that they picked up from the title company. Um, that coupled with my podcast, when, I'm, when a listener, I'm sure this happens with you too, a listener from like Denmark or like Australia or across the world, 
DMs me and tells me like, dude, thank you for your message. Like this podcast was so helpful and they're not asking for anything. They don't want a free session. They're just thanking me. Right. And that's amazing because it's like, whoa, I touched somebody's life without even realizing it. And maybe they're going to go quit their job. Someone's told me I quit my job and I started my own brewing company before. Thank you so much. It was because of your podcast. That's and I'm awesome. hoping, I'm like, damn, well, COVID kind of probably made that a lot tougher than it yeah. did. <laughs> so I hope he's still in business. But I mean, I see his posts and I follow him on Instagram and it looks like they're hanging in there. And I'm really excited to have a part in someone pursuing their dreams. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I think that's what makes it worth it because so you know, money comes and goes and whatever. But when you change someone's life, like you cannot put a price on that. Right. The feeling you get. Yeah. It's like, exactly. You know, exactly. the feeling is way better than the paycheck. Exactly. Of course, the money, I need the money to pay my bills and like oh, have an yeah. awesome life. Yeah, you got to get it delivered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to afford these uh, $5 delivery charges. <laughs> Shout out to Chipotle. I had, I almost had that for lunch, actually. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. But Chris, I, I appreciate your time, man. Where can my Likewise. audience find you on social media and your podcast? Yeah, man. So if you guys look up Chris Bello, just B-E-L-L-O or Entrepreneur Motivation Podcast, you'll find my podcast on Apple, on Spotify and all of that good stuff. And then on Instagram, I'm Chris Bello 09. Someone has the Chris Bello handle, zero posts. They probably don't even exist. I yeah. don't get it. But um, yeah, I don't have the, the Chris Bello. So go to Chris Bello 09 on IG. That's my most active platform. And uh Make sure to tune into our episode soon because I'm going to be interviewing you next yeah. on my show, Brady. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I will link Chris's links in the description. Reach out to him. Let him know what you thought about the episode. And Chris, appreciate your time, man. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. I'm looking forward to talking to you again here soon. Absolutely, man. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneurism Podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 a.m. Central Time. We would greatly appreciate if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. I'm Brady Morgan, your host. We'll see you next time.